I've had somebody speak to me, actually more than, more than one person, I've even had this thought myself. Well, why are we taking so long with this series going over these principles over and over and over again with them? I, mean, I plan to go through these principles, seven of these principles in one message. <laughs> and then as the question was asked to me, the answer immediately came to me. Because the purpose of this series is not to teach information. It's not so you can leave with nice, clear notes and walk away saying, boy, I now have a better understanding of what the principles of the kingdom of God are. I can pass a test on them. The pastor gives me a pop quiz. I can come right up with the right answer. I believe with all my heart God wants to change the direction of the church. And it's kind of like the image the Bible gives us of a shepherd and sheep. And I've seen that happen, and I've other people that know much more about shepherds and sheep than I do talk about what usually happens is the shepherd will begin to go in another direction, and sheep, have, we all have our heads down because we're all busy about eating, taking care of what we need. And the, there'll be a noise that's made. When Marianne Brown was here once, she was telling me she was in Israel, and she watched this group of, of sheep with different shepherds cross the road in front of their bus. When they got to the other side of the road, the shepherds began to separate, and each shepherd made a different noise. Some of it was a clicking with their mouth, some was a clapping. They made a noise, and when they made their noise, their sheep's head went up, and they looked to see where the shepherd was and followed the shepherd. And I believe there's a change of direction coming. Nothing radical, nothing, you know, we're not changing doctrine. But there are changes coming. And those changes, so as I was explaining, that what this is about is beginning to change how we think, and that doesn't happen by having heard it once. Because we're trying to change patterns of thinking that have been ingrained in us from the time we were could first breathe. All of us, including me. And these are still challenging me. So what we've been learning is that the kingdom of God operates on principles. God's this is a reflection of God's character and God's nature. And we all deal with rules and principles because whether in your family or at work, wherever you go, there are in many cases written rules, but in many cases there are also unwritten rules. They're just practices that develop. And we learn to follow them because if you follow them, things go easier for you. If you're one of those personalities that likes to buck the system, things may not go so easy for you. But anyway, we're familiar with rules, rules of the road, rules of our government, rules, just rules all around us. And the kingdom of God operates in those rules. And we saw that, that when Satan came into the garden, that one of the things he did was to take those rules and pervert them in the thinking of that first man and that woman. He sold them a bill of goods, which was that there was a better way to operate than according to God's rules and according to God's principles. And he promised them things that God hadn't promised to give them. He said, God's holding things back from you, but I have things for you that if you'll follow the rules that I'll show you that God's actually hidden from you, then you will be blessed and prosperous. But of course, we discovered what happened. Instead of being blessed and prosperous, they became afraid, ashamed, sick. And every malady that's in the world today came through switching, turning the rules upside down. We also saw that, that the rules that the world operates under are not a different set of rules because Satan cannot create anything on his own. Jesus said about him, he is a liar and the father of lies and there is no truth in him. To come up with his own set of rules means he would have had the ability to create something that hadn't existed so there had to be some truth in him. But there was no truth in him. There is no truth in him. But what he can do is take what God has created 
and pervert it. And we've looked at that. So the, the rules that you and I have been grown up, the principles, they're just kind of assumptions that are instilled in us, ingrained in us, in our thinking, are rules that are really not true rules or principles at all. They're perversions or turning upside down of the principles of the kingdom of God. But they're so, we're so used to them, they're so ingrained in us, that they've considered normal. And that's important because when we begin to operate according to the principles of God, when we begin to open our Bible and find out what God says that we're, we need to do in situations is very different than what we've been learning or what we've learned through our whole lifetime, we think that God's rules are strange. And we have trouble trusting them, that they're not real, that it's a tremendous leap of faith to begin to do things the way God says to do them. And this is why we've taken so long each Sunday going back over the same basic teaching because we're changing how we think about God's rules. They're not so strange, they're not so far. They're the only truth there is. But what you and I have lived with, grown up with, operated in practice, seen operated all around us, are perversions of those rules. They're not the truth. And that's so important because God's telling us we need to let go of these ways of doing things. Jesus told His disciples, He said, He said, I, he, he said Come and follow Me. And months ago we were studying that and we saw that in order to follow Him, they had to leave where they were. Well, in order to follow Him fully, we have to leave these principles and let go of them because they're ungodly principles. In fact, they will work just the opposite of the principles of the kingdom of God. And in order to operate in the kingdom of God, in this earth, we have to operate according to God's rules, God's principles. We saw that when we came to Christ, the the doorway back into that kingdom that, that we were separated from by our sin, that doorway was opened through the blood of Christ. And although positionally we've entered in there, we have a right to be in that kingdom and operate in that kingdom Most of us are still operating outside the kingdom because we're trying to operate by the world's rules in the kingdom of God. And they won't work. I remember as a child, when some first time somebody tried to show me, take two magnets and put the opposite, the positive two sides together, what happens? They repel each other, don't they? So what we're trying to do, it's like that. We're trying to enter in and enjoy all the blessings and provisions of the kingdom of God operating by rules that are perverse and against it. But the problem is we think these rules over here are what's normal. And it's all we've ever known. And it's hard to let go of things you've known. It's hard to trust in things you're not used to. And that's why God gives us His Word. But it is a lifelong process of renewing our mind. But I'll tell you this, it works much faster as you do it. When you begin to not just hear about it on Sunday morning and, and read about it in your Bible, but, but you begin to actually step out and operate in these principles, you find they begin to work. They be, the, real, the, the, the truth is always more powerful than the lie. Just like light is always more powerful than darkness. So as you begin to operate in them, they begin to work in your life. And as they begin to work in your life, you realize, you know, they really are r- r- the truth. They really do work. But as long as you just look at them from over here and admire them, but don't do them, they won't work. Jesus talked about that. Blessed are you if you do what I said. He says that in several places. So that's what we've been looking at. And we've gone through seven of these rules. Now, there may be more, but we've gone through seven of them to lead up to the one we're going to get into this morning. 
The first rule that we looked at, I'm not going to dwell on these, is that in the world's eyes, success means getting to the top. If you don't get to the top, somehow you fail. We saw that in the kingdom of God, that, that, that the highest position is to, to serve at the bottom. The second principle is that growing up in the world's eyes means becoming more sophisticated. And again, that means different things to different people. But it's basically how other people see us. But in the kingdom of God, that in order to, to, to be mature in the kingdom of God is to become like a child. Not childish, but childlike. And that means to be humble, that means to be open, to not have reservations, not to, not, to, not to be worried how we look before God, but to come before Him as our child. In fact, Jesus said, unless you come as a child, you can't come. Because as sophisticated as you think you are, and as sophisticated as I may think I am, in God's eyes, I'm still a child. And that's freeing to me. Because, you know, for so many years I was concerned about how I was, oh God, I might use the right words. Do I, you know, stand or do I kneel? Do I use the right posture? Am I using the right things? And that's trying to be sophisticated before God. He just says, come. Just come. It's a come as you are party. (laughs) Just come. He's more concerned that you come than how you look. Because none of us look sophisticated to Him. Third thing we talked about, as we saw, is in the world we've learned that when things go wrong for us and are difficult, where it's okay and it's acceptable and it's even expected that we complain and feel sorry for ourselves. We saw in the kingdom of God when things don't go well, you're supposed to give, you're supposed to give praise and to give thanks. We saw that the, set, the next, fourth principle is in the kingdom of this world, the assumption is that seeing is believing. If you can't see something, you don't believe it. But we saw that in the kingdom of God, you can't see it until you believe it. You've got to believe first before you can see. And that's with the natural eyes. The fifth principle is that the world tells us to take care of ourselves first, because if you don't, nobody else will. But the Bible tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, that all the things you need, He will add unto you. Then we saw the, the next principle was to do unto others as they do unto you. An eye for an eye and a, and a stone for an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Or do unto others before they do unto you. But if you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it for you. But we saw the kingdom of God says that we are to not return evil for good. We're to, to love those who, who are our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us and despitefully use us. We saw we do that because that's what to be like our Father who is in heaven. In other words, He operates by His own rules. His rules are an expression of Him. And he says in there to do that because you are children of God. So he's just telling us to act like who we are. And that's what these rules really are. This is who you are, is to act like who you are if you're in Christ. And then the last one we looked at last time was hold on to what you have and protect, protect it and protect your own life because if you don't hold on to it, you might lose it. Now that may be true with, you know, your car keys. That may be true with the allowance you give to your children. You know, hold on to it so you don't lose it. But it's not true when it comes to the things of God. We saw last week that the kingdom of God teaches this principle that if you want to save your life, you, 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 if, you want to hold, if you want to lose your life, hold on to it. And if you want to save your life, you've got to let go of it. You've got to, you've got to die to yourself. Jesus said, in order to follow me, you've got to take up your cross as a place of death and follow me. And so we saw that the principle of God is, because what that requires is, and this all basically comes down to the same thing, 
It all basically comes down to the, to the ultimate sin that Satan sold Adam and Eve to do. Instead of looking at God, trusting Him to do everything, they decided to take things upon themselves and to be their own God, their own king, their own protector, their own provider, their own promoter. And that's what all these rules of the principle of the world are centered around, me taking care of me first. And so Jesus, we saw last week, teaches us, no, but in the kingdom of God, in order to enter the kingdom of God, in order to operate in the kingdom of God, I have to let go of the control of who I am. I have to let go of the provision and safety of who I am and ultimately trust it to God to take care of me, just as He did in the garden to begin with. That's all He's asking us to do is to return to what it was like. Oh, by the way, that was called paradise. Let me ask you a question. Would you consider your life right now paradise? Would you consider the world we live in paradise? Well, that's the result of thousands of years of operating under these rules we try to hold on to so desperately. What are they producing? Not paradise. But what has God offered to us? What does God's Word say that operating by His rules and His principles will produce for us? Paradise, even here on this earth. Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come to you, among you. It's not just heaven. You can have heaven here on earth. It's much better there. But the reason we're not enjoying it is we're trying to operate in it and the benefits of it, but still hold on to the principles, the perverted principles of the world, which are basically centered around me. All right. Now we're going to talk about the last one that we're going to study. We, we touched on it a little bit last week. John chapter 12, we ended there. You don't need to turn there. I'll just read this to you because we're going to go somewhere else pretty quickly. Jesus told His disciples, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies... It produces much grain. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. The world teaches us, we've been, in, we've been trained, taught, instilled in us, that in order to receive something, you have to go buy it or acquire it. I taught you last week, or began to teach you, this is really what we're going to start to get into today, is that everything in life, almost everything in life, operates on some principle of exchanging. Your body does. That's what your lungs do. They breathe in fresh air. Or at least, hopefully it's fresh. <laughs> your lungs pull out of that air that's in those sacs the oxygen that your body needs and takes out of the blood the carbon dioxide that's the result of the process that your cells go through. And then you breathe out the carbon dioxide. So your lungs are in the, pos in the process of exchanging just while you're sitting there, while I'm talking. You're, you're breathing in fresh air that contains oxygen. You're breathing out carbon dioxide, which you've exchanged. Our, our world is full of plants and things that do just the opposite. They take in the carbon dioxide because they live of it and produce oxygen in the air. So they're exchanging. So our very bodies just exist and lives in the process of exchanging. By the way, exchanging means you don't hold on to what you've got. 
If we're trying to stay static and hold on to the status quo, that's called dying. That's the beginning of the process of dying, is if you don't like the change. Now, we, none of us like change. But we've got to recognize, just like our children growing up, they may not like Brussels sprouts or peas or corn, but you've got to make them recognize, I don't care whether you like it or not, it's good for you. We may not like change, but I want you to see how not only good for us it is, how necessary it is, because if we're not willing to change, then we've made a choice to die. Oh, it may not happen right away. We've started down a road of the process of death, because life itself exists and functions through the principle of exchanging, not staying where you were, but exchanging where you are, what you have, for what you need. And the world operates by that principle. It's called buying and selling. So when you need something, you go to the store, and what do you do? I've, go, I've gone, right, what do you do, ladies? You go shopping. And you may, not, you may not actually purchase something, but you go to look at things that you want to buy. And so when we men go to the store, we go with a purpose of buying. Right? We're, on a, we're on a mission. Okay? We're, we're, out, we're, out, we're hunters. We're out there hunting, and it may be Best Buy or it may be the grocery store, but we're in there. I mean, I was in there yesterday with my wife and my grandkids, and they're looking at this and looking. I'm saying, we're here for what? We're here for water, we're here for bread, and we're here for milk. I'm going to go, while they're looking around, I'm going to get the water, I'm going to get the bread, I'm going to get the milk, so we can get out of here, because we came here to buy something. This is not an entertainment place. Now, ladies, I understand, I understand, ladies, that you have a very different experience when it goes to shopping. I recognize that. And then, you know, I used to teach that and laugh at it until I walk into, into an electronic store one day. I'm sorry, man. And I noticed I just wasn't in here to get that battery and get out. I was looking at the TVs. I was, so it, it's not just that we're so efficient, men, that we go to get what we got and we laugh. No, it's just what you're looking at. I'm now in trouble with everybody, so... <laughs> Where were we? Change. Oh, yeah. Exchange. <clears throat> so we're used to it. Everything we know basically comes by exchanging. And the assumption is, you know, look, nothing's free. So if you get this really good deal, I mean, you know, I mean, it wasn't average. You, what's wrong with it? Because we don't get something for nothing. And that's how we're ingrained. Now, the kingdom of God operates on the principle of exchange. The, one of the greatest scriptures on exchange in the entire Bible is 2 Corinthians 5.21. He who knew no sin became sin. So here it is. We've got Jesus. Get my kingdom straight here. Jesus who knew no sin knew no sin. Then we're over here. Let me ask you a question. Do we know sin? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> know it, operate in it, produce it, revel in it, hang on to it. We knew sin. So he's over there. He knew no sin. He who knew no sin became our sin, actually left where he was, and came over here to become our sin. Notice it didn't say Jesus took our sins upon himself. It says, he who knew no sin became sin. He took it on himself. Why? So that we might become 
the righteousness, listen carefully because we say that too quickly, of God. You had Jesus here who walked in and lived out on this earth the righteousness of God. Every rule, every principle we've talked about, He operated in 100% of the time. Dealing with flesh like you and I deal with it. Dealing with irritations, tiredness, frustrations, just as you and I deal with it, and yet He never gave into it. So where it tells us to love our enemies, He loved them all the way to the end. To do good for those who persecute us, He hung on a cross for them. He who knew no sin came over here and became our sin. So now that He became it, we could come over here and become the righteousness, not just righteous, the righteousness of God. The reason you can come boldly into the presence of God is not because you've been made righteous. See, we forget that. So if one day we don't feel particularly righteous, then we hold back. Because yesterday I was doing well, but today I don't feel so righteous. What gives you access into the presence of God is not that He cleaned you up and made you righteous. He took your unrighteousness and He gave you His righteousness. It's the righteousness of God you've been given in Christ Jesus. That's the key. It's because you came to Christ, were joined to Him. When you became joined to Him, you became joined to His righteousness. That's the great exchange. God loved you, but you were a sinner just like I was a sinner. He could not allow you into His presence because His righteousness, His holiness would destroy you. So His love solved the problem. Not by looking the other way. Not by scrubbing you up and cleaning you up. Because there's no way you could be scrubbed up and cleaned up enough to be as righteous as God. But what He could do is the unthinkable. He could come, become a person take your sin and my sin upon Himself, pay the full price for it, and then give you His righteousness. That's an exchange. That's what He did for you. And now the way you receive the benefit of that is you come to Christ, and what do you do? You give your old life to Him and receive His new life. We give our life to the Lord. It's an exchange. The world, Satan, has sold the world a perversion of that. It's called buying and selling. Now, I'm not saying don't go to the grocery store and pay, you know. I'm not saying let's go back to a barter system. That's exchange too. It's not the what we do, it's the motive with which we do it. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Because in the kingdom of the world... We are exchanging all the time. Went to the grocery store. We needed water. We needed milk. I got a couple things we didn't need. <laughs> Came to the checkout counter. We had the basket, had the things in it we were wanted. 
And before they would let us out of the grocery store, there was something they wanted in exchange. Or credit card. See, that's one of the reasons credit cards can get us so easily in trouble. Because you don't see what you're giving up. It's a piece of plastic that runs through a machine. And you never see anything going out of you until the bill arrives. And now you don't have that 52-inch flat-screen TV sitting in the cart. Oh, yeah, now it's on the somewhere else. It's already used. They may have a ding in it. And now you've got to pay what you exchanged for that 30-some days ago. It's like paying for vacation after you went on it. I remember what those days were like. It's like the fun's all gone. Now you've got to pay up. It's an exchange. The kingdom of God operates on an exchange. God operated on an exchange. For God so loved you that He gave His only begotten Son. Why? He had to give His only begotten Son in order to get you. Romans 8.32 says, If He spared not His own Son, but was willing to give Him up for us all. In other words, the price He was willing to pay for you was His own Son's life. Then how much will He not also, together with Him, freely give you everything else He holds? If God wouldn't hold His own Son, if you were worth enough to Him to give up His own Son's life, why do we think we won't give us anything else that we need? It was an exchange. He thought you were worth enough to give His Son's life up for. Well, if it's all exchange, if it's exchange in the kingdom of God and it's exchange in the kingdom of the world, what's the difference? Here's the difference. When you go to buy something, what are you trying to do? Get the best deal you can. Right, ladies? You bring the coupons in. You know, you price, you, 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 you compare, but it's got to cheap it over there. And some of you are really good at that. You get to the, you know, you know, I don't like to do that. I don't like to digger. I just tell me what it's cost. I'll pay it and get out of here. But some of you are so good at this, you know. Yeah, but the other store has it for such and such, you know. And you begin, especially you go to other countries, they expect you to do that. Why? What are we trying to do? I want to come away from my transaction with you, getting the most from you I can, and pay the least I have to pay for it. Right, ladies? Right, men? We're trying to get the best deal we can. There's nothing wrong with that in the world system. But the motive is, I get the best deal out of this. I come away satisfied that I got the best of you. So isn't that so much like everything else over in this kingdom? It's all focused around how well I'm doing and what I'm getting out of it. But the kingdom of God operates on a very different principle. It operates also on an exchange. I see something that's valuable and I want to give up, but my motive in in the kingdom of God is not what I'm going to get, whether I'm going to get the best end of the deal. The motive in the kingdom of God is what can I do here to bless you? Aren't you glad that is God's heart and nature? Because if He looked at you and me, and then He looks at His Son, and He looks at you and me, and He looks at His Son, and He says... But see, God's heart is not what He's going to get. 
It's what he can do to give to you. Same process. It's an exchange. The difference is in the kingdom of God, the motive of the exchange is how can I make things better for you? Now, you get two people doing an exchange that way, whoa, you get heaven on earth. Let's look at that. Matthew chapter 7. See, that's what Jesus was teaching in John 12. If you have it by yourself, if you hold on to it, you have in that seed everything you need to produce a harvest. But as long as you hold on to it, all you've got is the seed. But if you're willing to let go of it and sow it, exchange it into the ground, it will produce everything that it has the potential to produce, which is a harvest, a multitude of fruit coming back to you. And Jesus was talking there about his own life. Matthew chapter 7. Well, I'm in Mark. That won't work. Matthew chapter 7. I love this. I'll have this all lapped out and I get up Sunday morning and I start looking over and I start seeing other aspects to it. We're going to start in verse 7. Ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. Very clear, very simple, very powerful and amazing statement. For everyone, not just the select few, not just the most spiritual ones, not just the pastor. Everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Now here's... See, we'll read this, these verses. And, and, we, and, and so many Christians in the last 20 years have read these verses as a formula. Wives, how many of you enjoy your relationship with your husband based on a formula? I read this great book on marriage and I've done chapters 1, 2, and 3. How do you like it? She, doesn't want you, she may want you to read it, but she wants it to come out of your heart. It's a relationship. I was sharing with someone the other day that was, was struggling because they've been asking God for an answer to something. And as I was listening, I heard inside of me, the problem is they're asking for an answer based on principles and a formula not on a relationship. You see, what Jesus is teaching here is ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, but it's based on the relationship. It's not you just throw a request out. It's not like a vending machine. And so many Christians over the last 20 years, as we've learned that God will take care of us and bless us, they've seen God as a, as a vending machine. If I do this, this, and this, put the right amount of money in, push the right button, this is what I want, pull the lever, whatever it is you do now, you know, there it is. Everything I need is going to be there. What I've asked for is going to be there. You can't have a relationship with a vending machine. But so many of us have seen God that way. But what Jesus is talking about here is a relationship. And out of that relationship, the one... See, we've learned about having faith. But Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty, have faith in God. And we skip that so often. Well, wait, I've got to increase my faith. I've got to grow in faith. No, faith, faith is simply trusting someone's word. That means you've got to know them to know whether you can trust their word. If you're trying to trust them without knowing them, you're working a formula. 
When someone knows you, they'll know whether they can trust your word or not. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's going to use as an example that we all should be able to relate to. Now, I realize some of us struggle with this because we didn't have this experience. Verse 9, Or what man is there among you if his son asks for a bread? For bread? There's a relationship. Father-son. Son comes to his father and asks for bread. Will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Something other than he asks. In other words, can this son trust that what he asks his father for, he's going to get? Or is he going to get something else other than what he asked for? If therefore you being evil, meaning compared to God the Father, know how to give good gifts to your children. Talking about a son or a child coming to his father asking for something, because that father loves that son, that son knows they can come and boldly and openly ask for what he needs or what he wants, and the father will answer him based on the love relationship that that father has with that son or child. That's what Jesus... He says, if you being evil, know how to do that. If you, who with all the issues and problems you have, you still understand that principle? Look what he's going to say. How much more? How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And that's usually where we stop. The verse I was going to have you turn to this morning was verse 12. Therefore I say unto you, what you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And I'm reading along there this morning, and I I saw something that I've been teaching you. There's a little word there, at least in my this translation, that begins verse 12. It's the word therefore. And I've taught you, whenever you see the word therefore, find out what it's there for. Why? Because it's connecting what he's about to say with what he just said. That means there's a connection between what we've just been talking about, asking my Father and receiving from Him with confidence. There's a connection here between asking my Father and receiving Him, and what this next verse of what Jesus is about to say. So this next verse has to do with an exchange. Because asking and receiving is an exchange. I ask for something, and I receive it. I gave a request, and I received something back. Okay. And so what is the connection here? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. That's, this is a principle of the kingdom of God. Is it possible then that we're over here trying to operate verse 7 through 11? Jesus, your word says ask. I'm asking. And I'm not getting anything. Your word says to ask, to seek, to knock. And you promised me that these things will come. And therefore, but I'm not getting them. Maybe verse 12 is revealing to us a principle in the kingdom of the world, God that we're not operating in. Because maybe that's the principle 
is the vehicle by which God's able to respond to your request. And we'll see that in a minute. And what is that principle? Whatever you do to others will also be done unto you, known as sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping is an exchange. You sow a seed, you receive a harvest. It's just like buying and selling, except the motive's different. In order to sow and reap, you've got to trust what you have to the one you're sowing it to, that when you let go of it, you will receive back what you need. It's based on trust, which is what he just talked about. He just talked about a son coming and asking his father, and because he trusted his father, Jesus Jesus said, if you being evil know how to respond as fathers, how much more will your heavenly father do so for you? Therefore, whatever you want him to do for, for you, you do first for someone else. Because when you do that, you now operate in the principles of the kingdom of God, the law and the prophets, and you now open the door so that God can respond to what he, you've asked Him for. Because to simply ask, I was wrong a few minutes ago, to simply ask and to receive is to only do half of an exchange. It's like going to the department store, you see this nice shirt, and you stand there, and you say, that... Uh, that Christian Dior shirt. I'd like it, please. I, I said, I'd like it, please. Jesus said, ask. And you'll receive. Didn't he? I'm asking. They're going to look at you like, okay. Uh, before I give you what you're asking for, there's no exchange taking place here. Where's, where's the exchange? I'm, I'm seeing this while I'm teaching this. So in this part where we're, we're God's children, we're saying, Father, I need this, and, and Father, I need this, and Father, I need this. God's saying, I want to give it to you, but there's no exchange here. This is one way. That's why Jesus says, therefore, because of that, I say to you, what you want done to you first part of the exchange is you've got to do it for someone else. Then you have an exchange. The difference is in the world, the exchange is between the two people. But in God's kingdom, I can do something for somebody totally unrelated and that opens the door for God. Why? Because it's an exchange. It's an exchange. Based on trusting Him. Let me show you that. Let's go back to Genesis. I apologize to the translators. I didn't put this in my notes. I thought I had. Genesis chapter 1. So it's not too hard to find. God's creating things. Verse 11. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, an herb that yields seed, and fruit tree that yields fruit 
according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and so it was. And the earth brought forth grass, and the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. That first garden operated on the principle of seed time and harvest. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And they didn't multiply it by running it through a copy machine. They didn't clone it with the DNA. In, the, in each plant was the very means by which it could be multiplied. Just as Jesus said, it's all in that seed. But it had to be sown. It had to be let go of for there to be a harvest to reap back. It's interesting, I was reading on... Of course, chapter 3, the sin comes in, and you go into chapter 4, and it starts talking about the children of, Abra- of, of, of uh, Adam and Eve. And you've got Cain. You know what the word Cain means, if you study it out? It means acquirer, one who acquires things to himself. Remember the difference in the exchange between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the earth? The kingdom of the earth is based on selfishness. What can I get for myself out of this? Cain's name means at his root to acquire things for yourself. And what did he do? He got jealous of his brother, didn't he? Why? Because his brother was operating in something he wasn't receiving the blessing for. So he became jealous. Let's turn to... um, I want to move along here. Let's turn to uh, uh, Luke chapter 6. all throughout, and we'll do a study later on on this. Now I know what happened. I printed out the wrong notes. Luke 6. Now, the interesting thing is this verse we're going to look at. Let's start in verse 37. This verse we're going to look at follows the same discussion, Luke's account of the same discussion that we've been looking at in Matthew. This is what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And the same things Jesus has been talking about in Matthew's account, Luke has recorded also, but from a little different perspective. Now what we're going to see is in verse 37. He sums this up. He goes another direction. Judge not, and you'll not be judged. See, this is not just money. I'm going to say that again. Sowing and reaping is not just money. Here it's judgment. So when we judge others, judge not, and you'll not be judged. If you're merciful to others, there'll be mercy coming to you. It's a principle of the kingdom of God. See, we think God's up there sitting on His throne looking at each other and saying, you know, Ron's been pretty nice. I'll be good to him today. Rose has been pretty good, so I'll be pretty good to her today. Sam? So So what we look at is that God's doing for us based on how we've been acting. Like punishment and reward. And we don't understand, God's, if He was going to punish us, if His motive was to punish us, 
forget having a bad day. All he has to do is withdraw himself. All he has to do is just withdraw himself, his presence and his, 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 right, his protective righteousness, and just leave us to ourselves. I don't care how good a Christian you are. If he just withdraw himself, we destroy each other. So God's not about getting back at or punishment. These are principles. Whether I'm a good person today or a bad person today, I guarantee you, if I take another step off of here, I'm falling. No matter how much I prayed or how much I've read my Bible. Why? You'd say, if I said, oh, how did that happen? As a pastor, we need to go start praying for you. I mean, you know, common sense says if you step off of that. Why? Because gravity works because that's a principle. And so the kingdom of God operates on these principles of exchange. And so if I want mercy in my life, I've got to sow that. I've got to exchange the mercy that I have to give And if I let go of that first, that opens the door for God to now exchange mercy back to me. We're going to give you an opportunity to do this, not today, but later on, because we're working on some programs to do this. But there's some of you out there that that are out of work right now. And all you're looking at is what I don't have. I don't have this, I don't have that. I I can tell you something you do have. You have time. And you have energy and you have strength. Sow it. Sow it. I've seen situation after situation. I had one just the other day. Somebody was struggling. Everything they tried wasn't working. And they sat down and talked to me. I said, the problem is there's a decision God's waiting for you to make. You want everybody else to do it first. And God's waiting on you to make a choice. I said, what are you going to do? And they said, well, I'm going to make that choice. I got a call yesterday. All those situations turned around overnight. Now, I'm not saying your situation will turn around overnight, but God's waiting for us. So it's not just money. It can be time. It's whatever you need. Okay, it's an exchange. Oh, boy. Luke 6. Judge not, and you'll not be judged. Condemn not, and you'll not be condemned. Oh, here we go. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. I thought God forgives me because He loves us. He wants to forgive you because He loves you. He's paid so that He can legally forgive you because He loves us. But there's a number of places where it says He can't do it if you don't first give the forgiveness that you have. It's an exchange. If we want it from Him first... There's no exchange involved. That's like going to the shirt counter saying, I'd like that shirt. Never taught it this way before in my life. Now look at this. Verse 38. We know this verse. Give, and it will be given unto you. Which comes first? Give, and it will be given unto you. Now this is what happens. Good measure, press down, shaken together and running over. It will be put into your bosom. That meant they're wallowed in those days. For with the same measure you use, 
it will be measured back to you. So if you use a thimble, a thimble will be used back to you. If you use the shovel, a shovel will be used back to you. Now understand, God's supply is infinitely bigger than ours. So His shovel can hold a lot more than your shovel. But it holds a lot more than His thimble does. (laughs) In other words, we choose how open the process is of receiving back based on what we've given in exchange. But remember the motive, and this is the key. The motive has always got to be not, what am I going to get out of this? Because then when we're motives, what am I going to get out of this? That's no different than going to the department store and trying to get the best bargain you can. And that's where many of us have been. How little do I have to give to get what I want? That's just because we're bringing the world's system and trying to use it to operate in God's kingdom. I was getting, I was having breakfast this morning. I've already done the preparation and all of a sudden it hit me. This is the, what's wrong with the mentality of so many Christians that are trying to operate by faith and it's not working. Because what we're trying to do is take the principles of the Word of God and operate them with this thinking over here. How many times do I have to confess it? How long do I have to stand? I'll get that question. Pastor, how long do I have to stand? As if God's over there with a stopwatch. Or a calendar. (laughs) Saying, no, you haven't stood long enough. Or with one of these counters, no, you haven't confessed it long enough. Why? Because we're bringing the mentality of, of buying. What do I have to do? What do I have to do to get God to do what I'm asking Him to do? It's called the law. I don't have confidence to go before Him because I haven't done what, I'm try- what I need to do. Because I'm thinking in terms of the world. I'm thinking in terms of I've got to do... I've got to pay a price to get from God what I want from Him. And the Word of God says, there's no price you can pay. What you've got to do is give an exchange. You've got to take what you do have, and you've got to let go of it and sow it. Because when you let go of it and sow it, you begin the exchange process. And once you've done that, you've opened the door so that God can open His windows of heaven and pour out on you blessings that He cannot contain. It's not because God's requiring something of us. The principle of the kingdom of God operates just like the world does on exchange. The motive's different. The motive's completely different. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 8. Well, let's go to verse 6. But I say to you, he who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. 
See, we've read that before and said, well, that's because God's sitting over here saying, well, they're being cheap today, so I'm going to be cheap back to them. I'm going to treat them the way they're treating me. Well, if that was God's mindset again, where would we be? If God treated us on the basis of how we treated Him, we would all be dead. So that's not what God does. God's not measuring what He's going to do for you based on how you've acted. But it's a principle of the kingdom of God. It's a principle of exchange. So he says those, if we, and then, this is talking about money here, but as we'll see later on, it's not just limited to money. In fact, that's just a small part of it. But he's in a section here of discussion where he's talking about gifts that they prepared. This I said, he who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. Notice the sowing comes first. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. That's what God's after. See, the heart's what makes all the difference. The heart's what makes the difference between you're going to Macy's and buying a shirt and you're giving to God. In Macy's, it's getting the best deal for yourself. Nothing wrong with that. But we bring that mentality, that heart mentality over to God. What am I getting out of this? God's talking about where our heart is like His heart is what am I giving into that situation? Let each one gives as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, He dispersed abroad and is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your unrighteousness. Galatians chapter 6. So many more we could look at. But with his background, I believe these scriptures will have a different meaning to us. Verse 6. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. This is what I want you to see. God is not mocked. That doesn't mean God's angry. It means he won't violate his principles. Whatever a man sows, whatever, not just money, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. He who sows to his own flesh. So here's not talking about money. Here it's talking about what you sow into your soul, what you sow into your life. He who sows to his own flesh will from his own flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the Spirit will the Spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good. He's still talking about sowing. For in due season you will reap if you do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Turn with me to James chapter 4. Verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from? We might read it. Where does strife 
and, 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 uh, and disagreements? Where do grudges? Where are bad feelings? Because we're not talking about getting into wars with other nations. That happens the same way. We're talking about our relationships with each other. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Doing that, they come from your desire for pleasure, that war in your members. You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war. You do not have because you do not ask. Oh, that sounds just like what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. You do not have because you do not ask. Yeah, but pastor, I've asked. Okay. But you ask and you do not receive. Oh, here's one reason why we don't receive. Why? Because you ask amiss with the wrong, on the wrong direction. That you may spend it on your pleasures. In other words, you ask with the wrong motive. Isn't that what the principle of the world is like? It's all based on what am I getting? There's nothing wrong with pleasure as long as it's not getting in the way of what he's talking about here. You have not because you ask not. Oh, but I've asked. Okay, you ask, but you didn't receive because you ask amiss. Jesus said, ask and you receive, seek and you find. Therefore I say unto you, what you want done unto you, do first to others. You ask, you don't receive, because you ask amiss. That you may spend it on your pleasures. I mean, Pastor, we're not allowed to have pleasure? No, he's not saying that. He goes on to explain that. Look at what he says here, verse 4. You adulterers and adulteresses. Actually, in the Greek, it's just adulterers. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Do you not think the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, but He gives more grace, therefore He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What's He talking about there? He's explaining what asking amiss means. It almost looks like He's changing subject here. He's talking about asking and not receiving, and then He talks about adultery. Well, what, how does that fit in? Well, think about what that is. Adultery is where I choose to seek my needs and my desires to be satisfied from someone other than the one I'm betrothed to. I take it into my own hands to satisfy my desires my own, my own way on my terms. And he's saying here that when the motive of my heart for asking when the motive of my heart for what I'm doing is to satisfy my own desires for myself, my way, that's just like committing spiritual adultery because God wants to be the source of those. That doesn't mean you can't watch TV and things like that. That's focused on what we do, not the heart issue. But am I using those things to satisfy those inner needs? Am I using the things that this world offers me to satisfy that inner longing that ultimately they can't satisfy? Just like if you are living in adultery, and you better not be, if you are living in adultery, that can't satisfy. It can't possibly satisfy because it's outside God's principles of blessing. And anytime you try to meet your needs outside God's principles, you're taking it into your own hands and you're setting yourself at enemy of God, saying, I can do this on my own. I don't need your... I'm above your principles. It's not like God's mad at us. It's just we're operating... It's like driving down 195 the wrong way. 
and you get in an accident, don't get mad at God. Don't get mad at the police. Don't get mad. How come you let this happen? They have signs saying, wrong way. Here is a sign. It says the right way and the wrong way. God wants to bless you, satisfy you, fill your life up to overflowing beyond what you can begin to imagine. He calls it eternal life here. But we're trying to have eternal life on our terms, which are the world's terms. And they're perverted. They ultimately end in fear, shame, sickness, disease, lack. Because remember, Satan's a deceiver. He's not trying to bless you. He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy from you. But he's a deceiver, so he'll present something that looks attractive to our flesh. So we'll chase after it so he can ensnare us in his perverted principles. So we have a choice to make. First of all, how do I know what the principles of the world, kingdom of God are like? Well, you've got a book sitting in your lap or a digital device of some kind. And nowadays, with all the electronic helps we have for Bibles, I've got so many Bibles in my, in my computer and on my phone. I have access to some 400 Bibles on the software that I have. They keep sending stuff to me all the time. We have this new offer. I can't handle what I've got. <laughs> Why am I going to buy the latest or the newest version when I'm trying to absorb what I've got right now? My point is we have no excuse. But I think the challenge has been we've not understood the difference between the kingdoms of the world and the kingdoms of God. We're going to go do something in the next few weeks it's a little side thing and then we're going to get into we're going to delve into sowing and reaping because many of you are in a difficult financial situation and God's way out for you is just the opposite of what every instinct you have tells you will work I know because I've been there several times we have many people in here that can share the same testimony with you and will some of them will but I wanted to spend this time laying this foundation so that you would understand the difference between the way we've been operating on and why it's not working and why God's principles will work in our lives.